You are listening to 2607 with Stephanie and Charlene, and today we are joined by Jada. Hi. Hi, thank you for coming. It's all right, my pleasure. You were like one of the first people that I wanted on the podcast. Yeah. Because you're such a busy lady as well. Even when I bumped into you in town, she's on the move nonstop. How do you handle that? You have a pretty hectic schedule. I don't even know. And the thing is, whenever I get free time, I'm like, no, you can't stop. You've got something to do, and I find things to do. And I'm like, this (laughs) is not. Everyone's always like, you're so intended and considered and everything you do is like there's a purpose and there's a step and you know I just say think about the end goal and then there's so much that can always be done in between um so Shas obviously said that she wanted to have you as a guest when we first started and I obviously did my little social media pre <laughs> and I just wanted to know like how did you get started when did you start modeling it would have been about five years ago now I was finishing up my master's in child psychology and I was really upset with the kind of girls I was looking at and the effects that mental health and um, that the fashion industry had on their mental health just thought there's such lack of diversity and this was kind of around the time where blogging really wasn't a thing but Instagram had just launched and I was like you know what why are we just why does media have this power over us and why can't there be diversity you know social media is now a tool used to kind of create the world that we want and at that time I had some creative friends and I was like you know what let's just put together some editorials with a girl that's a size 16 that looks like me and you know just have fun with it and we would create these like fashion like editorials or like fashion blogs now would be known as and put them online and it was on tumblr at the time and they kind of went viral and got a lot of attention and i was asked to be the face of the first ever plus size show during london fashion week and off the back of that there was a lot of press and i was approached by my agent now and um i signed and was like wow this is really weird because i was kind of trying to tackle this industry and now i'm a big part of it yeah that was five and a half years ago and i kind of taken the hat off of being a doctor because at the time I was like right I'm going to be a child psychotherapist and it's really important to I guess talk to these kids on like a one-to-one level and really change their perception of who they are but then I kind of do that in a sense as a model because I've always said like I don't want to be a model I want to be a role model I want to be able to help people in in the position I'm in and using the platform I have so in the last five and a half years it's just been developing that in a way but just in a different format. And do you feel like because you've got a massive following did that just sort of happen very quickly and then you know how, how did that come about is it through the tumblr and the blogging and then yeah i think it kind of just came off the back of my journey so yeah. when i first started out and it, i would talk about you know i'm this person that's not a part of the fashion world but you know why can't i would just put the question out there why can't somebody that looks like me and looks like the average girl on the street be in this industry that seems almost so detached from us why can't we do that and i was putting out the content that kind of could you know i was working with professional photographers the content was quite similar to what we could see now and I think people saw me on my journey and it just was an organic growth. People were just like, wow, you know, they followed me when I first got signed. And then I got like my first booking with ASOS, which was like a dream client at the time. And then they followed me when I got signed in New York and when I got booked on my first trip to the Caribbean. And it was all, I guess like, oh my God, I'm actually living this this dream that I thought, you know, I guess it was a, um, you can pave your own path. You mm. can break boundaries and you can do what you want if you're persistent enough and you believe in yourself more than anybody else. Um, And I think that's where the organic growth came. And Mm. then off the back of that now, it's just, I guess it's still consciously talking about what I believe in 
but now I'm just a professional model and this is my yeah. normality. But I think it was really nice to be able to bring people into that, into my world mm. and give them an insight into that. It must be very hard because as a model, you're consistently judged on what you look like. Mm. Do you feel like there's extra pressure in terms of you have to, to eat well, to remain fit? How do you handle that? Because on a regular basis, as just normal people, we all have our insecurities, but we don't necessarily have to stand in front of a camera yeah. and then, mm. you know, maybe model swimwear like you've done before. And how do you handle that? How do you build that confidence? I think in the very beginning, it took me a long time to get my head around that because I went in and I was like, I was the boss and I'm, you know, you're a model, you're not, you're just a puppet from, you know, the creative director's vision of what they want you to be. But for a long time, I was like, I'm not changing. I am who I am. And I was very headstrong and I wasn't, I wasn't, I guess, being a model I would think I was trying to be myself and you know impose my my place in the fashion industry and it was for a long time I had to adjust to that to kind of understand that it's not personal I'm a product and I had to get my head out of the idea of Jada Cesar as a brand isn't that person right now and I think over the last two years I kind of went on a bit of a 360 because I went into like the model headspace where then I started thinking about okay I'm a product right I need to start looking after my hair making sure everything like my skin's good have a balanced diet work out but at the same time I was pushing against this force of I don't want to lose myself too much because you do have to become a blank slate. You have to be very neutral. So, you know, I had to take my nose piercing out. My hair was bleach blonde at the time. I went all natural. Like I changed a lot, but I constantly, I think purely because I'm so lucky enough to have quite a supportive family and a really good friendship group, but didn't get lost in the mix because I think a lot of girls can. And, you know, you're stripped of your identity in a sense. And then you're judged upon something that the only thing you have, which is your appearance. And, you know, it's not personal. It's just, it is what you look like. And it's hard to compartmentalize that yeah. because, you know, you can change what you look like you can change your nose and but why should you you shouldn't have to do that but I guess that's kind of you know you have to be mindful of this is the game and the industry you're in so if you aren't tough skinned enough to put up with that then it's just not for you I think in regards to fitness and stuff I'm lucky enough to be a plus size model so we are embracing you know girls women of all sizes of course you have to stay toned but I never took it to any extremes mm. I just couldn't I just I believe that you know fitness should be something that you have a healthy relationship with and do what's right for you so I don't religiously go to the gym but I love yoga so I never thought I'd be one of these mindful yogis but <laughs> that's what works for me that's what de-stresses me yeah. that's what keeps my back strong and yeah I think you just can't lose yourself you need to have a good solid foundation and anchor in your life to come back to otherwise it's really easy to get lost in the waves we live in a really weird warped society and I see in a sense that I'm constantly on my Instagram and everything is so visual nowadays, isn't it? So the reason that, you know, I wanted to approach you about like the following, etc., is because so many women, and I know that like I used to struggle with it myself quite a lot, um, look through images and will see what people have perceived beauty is supposed to be or perceived fitness is supposed to be. There's a certain stereotypical body type or objective way that we need to look and you know I feel like it's such a struggle now for women because it's literally everywhere you know when I was growing up we had you know the magazines the glamour magazines and we used to see it on the magazines and then watch tv and it'd be there too but because we're constantly bombarded with so many images and especially in like the music industry at the moment now or you know the everything going on socially at the moment how does someone stay afloat and as you said keep themselves anchored because 
you just get caught up in it you know you can't stop you can't help but scroll through the timeline and think mm-hmm. how do i get tiny waist like that how do mm-hmm. how do people's yeah. bums look that big I think how are people's skin so flawless there's so much pressure as well especially because celebrities they have the avenues to have you know the personal trainers and the yeah. personal chef and you see it a lot of celebrities now after they have a baby they lose a drastic amount of weight yeah. very quickly Slap that game. and it puts pressure on like the average person to yeah. do that i never really wore makeup until i was about 17 18 and even then not on a regular basis but nowadays i see on social media that girls so so young are so good and with their makeup like they're, oh, they're like YouTube. professionals <laughs> professionals and that's a little bit scary it's almost yeah. like they're losing their innocence and they're being forced to grow up so fast it's almost i think social media is so habitual that Mm. you know i don't know how many times i go on my phone and just scroll for the instant for the sake of it but i try to do wipes every now and again of things that aren't serving me so if it's making me feel inadequate or not cool like these tools should be used as something that stimulates you to be creative and to be excited and to feel passionate about not to feel bad about yourselves and if you can if you're mindful of that feeling and what is stirring up get rid of it get it out of your life um, so I constantly try to do these these wipes of actually this isn't serving me anymore. Let me put that aside or unfollow these type of people. And yeah, I think it's a lot harder in the generation that's coming now. I, yeah. I mean, what I like to do is I just like to talk about it because, you know, we can't tell them you're banned from Instagram. It's a part of our life. It's like at the end of our hand, we can't get rid of it. We can't come away from it. We can't unplug ourselves from the internet. But it's being mindful of, you know, understand what you're seeing is people's highlight lives. Yeah. It's not real. Understand, you know, filters, apps, Facetune, understand that people aren't going to always expose their downtimes. And especially, I know in the body positivity world, there's girls that look incredible, incredible. And they're talking about, you know, their body positivity tips. And it's like, just because they look great doesn't mean that they're always going to feel like that. And you need to take it with a pinch of salt, everything you're listening to. And I I don't know I feel like it's really tough right now but just being able to kind of go through all of the jargon and all of the fake stuff like especially even in the wellness industry take everything with a pinch of salt don't believe everybody's incredible tips and you know unless they're registered nutritionists you can't buy into all of these phases I think you know it's it's really important to understand that you know that as you said Mm -hmm. Instagram and social media is someone's highlight life and but how have you sort of carried on with your confidence throughout your career like I can imagine as Charlene touched is you know it is quite demanding you know you are being looked at very closely by a lot of people and there must be a lot of criticism coming with it too or but Mm -hmm. I mean from what I've seen it's just very positive I personally love what you're doing I absolutely love you know I think you're beautiful and I think the the world needs more people like you do you see what I mean and another thing that really really inspired me when I was looking through your um, Instagram is um, Um, you hashtag mental health matters Mm -hmm. and I think that recently you know from my own personal experience as well it's just so important that we talk about it Mm -hmm. because it's just something that we're not talking about at the moment and what kind of stuff are you doing to advocate that well I mean I just was a part of the L'Oreal campaign which was all about turning self-doubt into self-worth and that kind of came off the back of when I became an ambassador for Young Minds Charity which is a mental health charity working with young people and it's something I'm passionate about and from like my studies to then moving into like the fashion realm and still tackling those issues. Uh, We don't talk about it as much as we need to. And I think more than ever before, we're really under pressure of just anxiety and, you know, just that feeling of even like, you know, before, if you were in school, 
and you didn't get along with your friendship group or something, you fell out with them in the playground, you can go home and everything's chill. But now it follows you, you're on WhatsApp. What if you get booted out of the WhatsApp group? Like, you know, if you're 13, that is like heartbreaking. And I think it's just, you know, I, I want to tackle that. And I think people can feel really isolated. And unless it's called out and made clear, then sometimes we feel like we're suffering alone. So I feel like even though I'm a plus size model and can be pigeonholed into a body positivity movement it's a lot bigger than that and I think self-esteem is at the core of everything and if that's something self-esteem comes with good mental health and good mental well-being and if we can really hit that nail on the head and really focus on that core I think that's more of a universal thing that everyone suffers and body insecurities come off the back of that because low self-esteem will lead on to these type of issues so as a rounded topic I just yeah I like to cover that and the L'Oreal campaign really hit home for me because and I was honoured to be asked to be a part of it because they launched a range of foundations that covered from people really really dark to really really pale and everyone in between and that was like a brand finally embracing inclusivity and diversity and you know makeup is a part of a lot of people's lives and we use it to feel a bit better about ourselves and you know if you don't have access to that then it's almost like people are making you feel like you don't have a right to feel beautiful and so to be a part of a brand like L'Oreal that are forefronting these kind of attitudes and then going on and doing the self-worth campaign with like Helen Mirren, who's bloody fantastic. I nearly fainted when I met her. <laughs> but she, like, you know, this is a, an incredible cause that I'm really, really grateful to be a part of. Yeah, I just think it's something that I'm always going to be preaching about no matter what. As you mentioned with the L'Oreal campaign, the fact that they have product for all skin tones. Now, in the last couple of years, we've seen a lot of brands now doing plus size clothes and before that must have been quite hard but now you're having like Topshop, ASOS is that something that you want to do? Would you ever want to have like your own brand in terms of fashion wise for Mm -hmm. plus size models? Is that something that you would like to get involved in? Yeah like so two sides to that when I was growing up it was so difficult to find clothes and I wasn't even like I mean I was probably a size 14 when I was about 16 years old and I like that's not even big so Mm. why was it such a struggle? I don't know and your style is really a piece of you it's your attitude and I love being able to express myself through the way I dress, but it was really difficult. And almost like the makeup example, it almost feels like if it's not available to you, then you don't have a right to be a part of it. I remember that, I guess, really gave me an underlying sense of insecurity. And never, I was never bullied at school, but I guess it was like an underlying feeling from top down, from the brands and the people and the retailers. So yeah, it's incredible that they're now including things for girls of all sizes. And in regards to a fashion line, actually, when I was in New York two years ago, I started a label, um, Cesar. You can check it out on Instagram, Cesar London. However, it's now, everything sold out and it was a small capsule collection, limited edition. And I put it on a sideline for a bit, but it was premium basics, wardrobe staples for women of all shapes and sizes and for different fits, different cuts for different body types. And I started that because I just felt that although the fashion industry is now including other people, the next step would be to make larger curvy girls also be depicted in the same light that some brands depict skinnier models. You know, you've got your Helmet Langs and the Alexander Wangs, which are really cool brands, but there's nothing like that in the plus size industry. And I know for the brands that I work for, I think it's still, it's getting there. There's development 
and definitely development is happening, but it's, you know, a slow burner. They're still trying to keep commercial and, you know, a lot of brands are moving now. But I think at the time when I developed this idea, it was because I wanted to see women like me in a different light. When I shot the Cesar campaign, I did have that vision come to life. And I used girls that were a size 12, 14, and I'm a 16. And it was, you know, loads of different girls, different shapes and sizes looking fucking fierce. Sorry, <laughs> I don't know if I can say, say that. that. No, you can, you can, you can. <laughs> You can, Oops. don't worry about that. <laughs> the panic. I mean, yeah. <laughs> She's had to look at you, give you side eyes. No, 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 it's fine, it's fine. But it's hard work. But yeah. I, you know, that's that's for a whole nother radio show. I can tell you okay. how to start a brand. <laughs> for now, it, yeah, it's yeah. a lot of work. Especially when you're traveling, you need to be based in one place and be able to really focus on it. But being able to have your own brand gives you the freedom to create your own creative mm. marketing choices. Like I, I would look at these campaigns and I'd be like, wow, I aspire to be like that. Because the creative team and the marketing team have such power on how we perceive who we are. And that's why I took that role of creating my own brand to have that responsibility, but a lot of work. Yeah. And is that something that you would see yourself doing long-term or, you know, do you want to continue pursuing? Yeah, I mean, I definitely would go back to it. Not right now. Mm. I just, I think that um, it was a great venture. And I think I'm always somebody that's doing something. Um, I just, you know, you've always got to keep learning. You're a constant lifelong student. But in the fashion world, you have to be dedicated. I think you can't create something and then just let it slide you've got a responsibility in a way and for me nothing I ever do is just about selling a product it's about an idea it's about an attitude and I think you can do that in whatever career path you're in I'm actually moving more into the acting realm now actually at the moment so yeah that's kind of the brand will come back just not yet the one thing that you mentioned in, in sort of the beginning is that you studied child psychology which I think is incredible so which uni did you go to so I went to Roehampton which is um just past Hammersmith actually in London okay. and I did my undergrad my bachelor's in psychology and counselling oh, wow. and then I went on to specialise at the Tavistock which is yeah. a specialist psychotherapy unit and yeah they're fantastic they've got some of like the original works of Freud in there I think they're, mm. they're just phenomenal incredible teachers and their approaches all at psychoanalysis which is more interpersonal so it's all about understanding really who you are I, I never really liked a psychiatric approach which was it just personally for me I, I'm not so prescriptive with the issues that I like to tackle. I think talking and understanding where these issues come from is more of what I geared towards. But yeah, I think like children for me, I don't know why, but I've always just been really, I don't know, I gravitate towards because I think half the time they didn't ask for the the cards that they were dealt. And I also think that just having somebody intervene and create some kind of intervention can change their lives so you know um, give them a chance people say what is the most incredible job you've ever done and I think half the time they expect me to talk about a campaign I shot in the beach Mm. and like Turks and Caicos or something but it it honestly isn't it one of my most rewarding jobs I've ever done was before I got into modeling and whilst I was studying my master's I had to work in a school so on the front line and I was kind of like a behavioral assistant mentor for a young boy who had gone through primary school from reception to year six so that's seven years of education and he got to year six and still couldn't read and write and I got in there and I was thinking you've gone through the same school the same education system how have they let you slip through the net how and in year six he would run out he would run out of the school had to put the school on lockdown and I remember just sitting with him and I was thinking why don't you want to learn it's so obvious all of the peers around you are doing their sats and you can't even spell your own name really and I just thought makes so much sense take you out of class and let's make you feel really comfortable because you're vulnerable you're humiliated and it's because of the adults that you've had that should have been taking responsibility for you have 
in a sense neglected that responsibility and let you just run off and it put it down to bad behavior and how you don't want to concentrate but actually we got a diagnosis for him he was slightly autistic I managed to get him half of the he couldn't spend the whole school day in the same building in a sitting down in a classroom that conventional way of learning wasn't for him so I had to organize you know you kind of for me I felt that was really intuitive but I also feel like it was because of my background I was able to make those decisions but seeing him blossom by just giving him a little push in the right direction which I think you know as adults no one's perfect but I just I have this really compassionate sense of wanting to set people up Mm -hmm. because all it takes is like I said a little intervention from a teacher or from a mentor or somebody that can really stick with you when you're a kid and can really push you in a direction that you know is make or break sometimes and seeing him get into his secondary school and make that transition into somewhere that was perfect for him, like a specialist school that can meet his needs, was one of the most rewarding things that I've ever done in my life. And um, yeah, that will always stick with me. And I think, you know, you get the most from giving. That's an amazing story. I think that you know we we do get kind of warped into this perceived lifestyle of you know being a model and having your images and the fashion industry because to me the fashion industry is so far away from me do you see what I mean it's lovely to actually meet someone who's sounds crazy but a real person like you're down to earth you know went to uni you've got other interests as well but you're also pursuing you know this fashion industry which has always come across as this standoff exclusive thing that you know no normal people can really comprehend or approach do you see what I mean like what kind of advice would you give to you know like a young woman who's is very insecure about the images that they see what are the steps you would give that person to kind of understand the concept of loving themselves we've heard a bit of you about your story but have you ever battled with your self-confidence and then if you have like what kind of steps have you taken yeah many times I mean you know in adolescence growing up even as an adult sometimes you question yourself and I realized there's steps and the steps where you really start to slip away and lose yourself is when you start compromising who you are and giving away too much and not doing what makes you happy because you can't give from an empty cup like you Mm. can't love other people before you love yourself as cliche as it sounds when you really start to understand what that means it isn't selfish to love yourself and give yourself that because you know for and then for somebody that's kind of seeing you know on instagram all of these incredibly looking beautiful looking like fashionistas that's not all you're about your style isn't just who you are like what are your talents what do you actually do what are you passionate about Mm. talk to me about your crazy comic collection or you know the last orchestral performance you did or even just the little poems you write in your room that what ignites a flame inside you focus on that because however it it might not be conventional it might not be that you're a fashion blogger or you're into you know some you know you're a makeup youtuber it might not sound glamorous but actually those things are really cool and i think you gotta own it that's what's gonna set you apart and you know you pave your own way with whatever you do um like one of my friends he's a spoken word artist and he's going to space because richard branson heard one of his poems and was like wow you've blown me away and you're changing the world and you know who would have thought you're a spoken word poet but your words are so powerful that somebody like richard branson has picked you up and it's like that is cool Like that is what we should be aspiring to, not the conventional things that we see. But you know, if that's what you want to do, by all means, if that's what you're passionate about, do it. I just believe be the best of whatever you want to do. So be true to who you are and what your makeup is and what you're really excited about. Because that's so individual, but embrace it. If you're a sick skateboarder, be about that. 
Yeah. You know, and like my dad always used to say, if you're going to do something, be the bloody best at it. So when I got into the whole modeling game, he actually passed away the same month that I got signed. And I was like, you know what? If I'm going to be a model, I better probably be the best one out there. And that is what made me like work relentlessly and build my brand and be really mindful of the kind of brand I wanted to build. Because, you know, my Instagram is all it is an extension of who I am in a way. But it's I'm being mindful not to be too commercial, not to just do what works and also include what's important, which is mental health. So, you know, just embrace what you bloody enjoy. So we have a section on the podcast and it's the top five and today i want your top five role models wow okay here we go it doesn't have to be in order by the way <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it's, it's not right, a countdown then. um well oprah of course she you know sometimes when i'm feeling really stressed out i just i put something of hers on in the background like on youtube or something and i just listen to it it's just clarity it's going as perspective someone out of the industry just you know she's like the mother isn't she angelina jolie incredibly strong roles in some of like her movies that she plays those characters my dad yeah definitely him for his advice he always used to say i give you guys golden bracelets of education and it's so true because without education i, I don't know if i'd be here like you really need to know what you're doing in order to make informative decisions and gain perspective of the world and step out of your own bubble so those words are stuck for me my last two. Oh, at the moment, Tony Robbins has been really good for me. He's such a good inspirational speaker. And, you know, he's great at what he does. And I think if something is fired up inside you and somebody creates that inside of who you are and inspires you to be brave, then go with it. There's a heap of like feminist authors and stuff. But let's think of somebody. Like OK, let's say go with Beyonce. <laughs> OK, because, you know, independent women and all of that. <laughs> And Queen B. Queen B. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, everyone, her, her brand, her marketing is consistent, constantly all about empowering women in whatever she does, even if it's, I don't know, her little short movies that are a spin off to her albums or whatever. It always just gets me going. And I'm like, wow. It, again, it just brings clarity in what I want to do. And it gets me back into my zone. And I think if you can just harness these people around you, then yeah keep them tight she's a very hard worker her I brand is so clear her. i yeah. think it's so you hear a beyonce track you know that's her and she's been able to make soulful music become commercial and and not lose her talent like she's a good singer like she's so talented but yet you know that could have dropped off mm. from all these commercial pop artists that have come through but she's made it through and she's kept her brand consistent and i just think empowerment is the constant theme for everything she does it blows my mind and i do like how she keeps her private life private she will allow you to see what she wants you to see and i think you know when you're in an industry where especially now it's all about transparency you can lose yourself and lose and give so much away that what do you have left to hold on to that's yours talking about music jada what kind of music do you listen to oh i'm into a lot of different like my playlists are really random so like you know the other day i was in the car had the top down and driving along and i've got like i don't know the new drake album on or something and then all of, and i'm skipping because it's like yeah. my <laughs> itunes is all on um it's on shuffle so all of a sudden it's my mindful chakra yoga music that comes on and i'm like well <laughs> this ain't cool <laughs> this isn't the, like the gets track like, yeah. <laughs> yeah after like the gig song and then it's like all mindful like rainforest music i'm like oh oops um but yeah like i listen to r&b hip-hop house i like new artists i'm always about the emerging new talent i think a general vibe is i like chill music 
I like things that, especially at night, if I'm doing mood boards or I'm doing stuff that's quite creative or I'm writing an article on something, I really like the stuff that mellows me out. People are like, oh, that's the music that people get high to and all of that stuff. And I'm like, it just puts me in a really good place where it's just, I know the frequency of the world just seems to be really mellow. And what kind of music is that? Like what artists? Um, all different from... I don't know, so, you know, you can get the weekend stuff, but then you can get Noah and, oh, what's that? I need to get my iPhone out. It's all these new, all these new artists. I'll come back. You know, what, I'll put, there's, there'll be a link at the bottom of this show with my yep. playlist of the week. Um, <laughs> just in case. Yeah. <laughs> just in case. Yeah. I like new artists. I like new music. Just, yeah, new sounds, I think, because, it, you know, we can get caught up. And I like pop music as well and your Taylor Swift's and all that. Sometimes you just want to chill out to some new talent that can bring new vibes. There's um, a girl on Instagram who is a model and she, her name's Stormy Bree. Sometimes I just like listen to some of her acapella stuff on Instagram and I'm like wow she's amazing so it's just dependent on the mood yeah I'd say so yeah did you see Drake live when he was in London I didn't know he didn't send me an invite what happened <laughs> Drake loves the UK he yeah. loves it he, he actually supposedly bought the rights to Top Boy oh of course he would I'm all for he it wants, he wants if he wants to be it. in it however please do not do a British <laughs> accent please yeah. Like, refrain from that. <laughs> refrain from that. I'm all about overseas collaboration, but just don't steal our shine. No, that, I'm, just, I'm feeling, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm loving that Drake is involved with the UK yeah. scene, but there's one thing being involved and there's another thing being... By one now. Of the, he he's, like, method acting in this, right? No, no <laughs> man, like, I don't know what he's doing. He's changed he, his he's accent. Try, he, he's, try, he's trying to get the passport in it. He's like, I want to be part of you guys. <laughs> We do it right. We're, yeah. we're really politically like neutral. We don't get involved in anything. We just sip no. our tea and sit back. Yeah. <laughs> but I think as well, in terms of that, Giggs got a lot of stick from the American side with the verses that he had on Drake's album. They're like, oh, that's work. What's that? And so on. And I was I, feeling it. And the thing is, I've known about Giggs from way back. He's hard. So when I'm hearing them like online, like tweet, oh, your Giggs, who's this guy? And I'm like, the disrespect. Like we've given you guys so much love. The disrespect. <laughs> Sorry, there was one line. It was like girls looking all curvy and the Mercs looking all something, something, something. I was like, yes, I like this guy. But... <laughs> <laughs> do you know what like I'm not gonna lie I just think that are there better rappers than gigs out there 100% yes but he's got his distinct sound he's got a distinct voice yeah. like you just gotta give it to him I think he could have come in harder on Drake's album you know like some of the lines I, I read them and I was like really gigs like come on man like, we can do better than if this if you wanna look at it from a different perspective so many artists from the states who are whack <laughs> make it over here and mm -hmm. then you have someone of gigs caliber because i've seen him live he's hard and you're coming at us oh that was excuse me some of the stuff you guys allowed to mm, uh, getting protective no i i would say i'm quite protective of the uk scene only because obviously from a very young age with the garage and obviously mm -hmm. i saw the transition from garage into grime mm -hmm. so i've known about a lot of these artists even before they were you know in a more commercial light so to speak and i know how talented they are but i do think sometimes as well it's got to do with the fact that a lot of americans don't understand the vernacular the terminology so it's quite hard for them to understand a grime artist mm. uh, like for example kano some of the stuff that he said 
days. Oh, I love Kano. And His old school stuff. I grew up old school, like old school hip hop exclusively. Like that's all I've been listening to most of my life or since I started listening to music. So it's only now and through this podcast that I've actually started to discover the UK scene more and more. And it's only in the last year. So I think it's because you didn't grow up in London. I think so too. Yeah. Because yeah. it's always so, kind of been with us. Yeah. The grime scene has really set the mark out there and the Americans don't get it. But that's why Drake's so interested. They're not going to get it. It's art. It's a piece of our culture. And it's, I think it's really is paving a way out there. But, you know, they can't take a piece of our flavor. Come on. But I'm all about the UK doing well. Good. We always, should be supporting our, always. you know, I love our country. Tiny little island, but come I on. <laughs> I know, but out here, we're just doing our thing. You know, homegrown talent, I think it's some of the best. And if you can go international and you take it overseas, then yeah. But fly the flag. Do it. Yeah. So what's next for Jada then? What have you got going at the moment? Because you, you mentioned that you're acting. Mm-hmm. So this year is, well, it's a secret, but no one else will know besides us already. Um, <laughs> no, this year is just all about head down training, learning that craft. I, I dabbled in it like over the last few years, a few courses here and there, but I think now is it's the natural progression for me to really start focusing on that, getting into the film industry. And by the end of the year, who knows, maybe be in LA for a bit. And yeah, I guess keep pushing boundaries and keep changing the way like I said females are looked at and the kind of roles that people that are larger than like a size 12 and on screen play like you Mm. know we're not just the the funny friend you can be a size 16 and be you know badass and strong and powerful and hopefully yeah change those attitudes I think I've got so many questions like I'm a naturally curious person so we could say it all now and I'll just be firing questions away but I think one of the questions I had for you was obviously you travel a lot with your job have you had to live overseas or are you based in London and then you just travel everywhere or mm-hmm. where are you based at the moment um, I'm based in London back in London for now previously I've lived in like I said New York I was in the States for a bit how was that um, um, yeah, it was good. It was intense. Like, oh my God. yeah, I bet they London, love your accent. When I was London. out there, they kept me talking longer just because of the accent. <laughs> so, yeah, they love it. Yeah, they do. London's fast. New York is so much faster. But there's always something going on and it's buzzing. And I love it out there. And the vibe's great. And there's the market out there is a lot bigger because obviously America's a bigger country. And um, yeah, I mean, I had a great time. But then that's when I started developing the clothing line because I was like, right, and what's next? How long were you there for? I was there for a year. I lived out there for a few months and then I was in and out for like a year and a half like living between London and New York currently based here but I travel a lot all over Europe Germany France a few other countries just in and out for jobs and yeah you know it's a luxury to be able to travel for work and every day is different don't get me wrong it can get tiring and jet lag is crazy but yeah again I'm lucky to have that life and you mentioned that like you're into yoga by the way yoga I am one of those people that hate yoga anything that's that long and like relaxing and because I'm very much like if I exercise I want to see sweat and if I haven't sweat if I haven't been sweating I don't feel like I've oh my god come to hot yoga you will die listen I tried one session of Bikram yoga and I was like it changed my life it does where do you go fierce grace yeah old street it's my local you know i was taken in by a friend of mine and it honestly changed my life i mean i was going for a breakup and i was suffering from mad anxiety and i was just so like constantly in this state of like nervousness i went to hot yoga and because you sweat you're detoxifying yourself from all of the adrenaline and it was the only time when i would leave that session because no matter what you've got on in your mind for some reason 
somehow you end up becoming so disconnected to whatever you're thinking and get in the element, get in the zone. I don't know if it's like I've had some incredible instructors that just talk so chill to me and it just, I don't know, I would leave there and I would feel so calm and you know, it wouldn't last forever but it was for, it would let me go home and sleep well at night. Yeah. So I became addicted to it for like a while because it was my only form of release and I think we forget about how, you know, anxiety and stuff can create chemical imbalances within us so even if we're not thinking about the thing that's making us anxious all the adrenaline is still in our bodies and it needs to come out somewhere otherwise it's harbored and I really wasn't I mean I'd work out for work but you know if you're feeling crap the last place sometimes well for me is I don't want to go to the gym I'm feeling crap about myself but yoga was a great way to get rid of all of that bad energy and all of the that adrenaline and also do something that felt empowering for me so being able to walk out of those doors after a sweaty session I look like the happiest mess ever (laughs) (laughs) I can totally relate (laughs) when you actually break up from a relationship it's almost like you're grieving Mm -hmm. because your life does start to change that person is no longer there like so Mm -hmm. many things start to change so it is quite a hard process everyone has their own way of dealing with it some people suppress some people talk Mm -hmm. about it some people use exercise you know so Mm -hmm. that's a really good way as well like body and mind oh yeah totally for mind especially like for me body I didn't get that till later on how it felt in my body how my body felt because I was never really I wasn't mindful I completely disconnected about from my body like I would hardly ever sleep and um but the first thing was my mind my mind was just quiet for once in those sessions throughout the whole day I'd be thinking 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 like or busy with work thinking on the phone talking about something thinking and in yoga was the one time that you're just still and even if you want to leave that session because you're so ready to leave and you're antsy and just want to get out of the room no you've got an hour and 15 minutes in this class and you just got to stick it out and before you know it you just surrender to the class by the end when you're on the floor and you're in shavasana and you're just relaxing and everyone's taking their time and slowly getting up and leaving I was like this is the one time in the whole day that I get to myself just to be because I know I'm not going to give me myself that moment voluntarily So I had to come to these classes to do that. But yeah, you really have to think about what works for you because breakups are bloody hard. They're hard work. You'll get through it. 